that will be our intro for After the Hype, so hi. <laughs> oh, what in the hell? What in the fresh hell? <laughs> oh, boy. Our intros are getting better and better every week. I should probably just go back to fuck yes at this point, but that's just too easy. Uh, so hi, welcome to After the Hype. I'm your host, always Brian Dress. With me, as always, is Chewy Darso. Hi. And Jonathan Harnesty. I'm here. Yep. No, you're there. We've been over this. Uh, I keep forgetting. <laughs> as far as we know. Yeah. John's on the toilet right now. I I mean, I hope not. Well, but then that again, would be I mean, if you impressive. really need to use the toilet, that'd be rude of me to hope not. So, you know, you yeah. do you, John. You do you. <laughs> you do you do do. <laughs> Just don't pull an Elvis on us, okay? Oh, God. Don't don't be you if that's the you that you were going to do. With your doo-doo. Oh! <laughs> people wanted to listen to an episode about Halloween. Oh, man. This, Oops. <laughs> this, like the, this, like the milkshakes, brings all the listeners to the yard. <laughs> oh, God. We're off to a wonderful start. This I'm is why proud we, of myself. <laughs> this is why I say I want to stop recording episodes like this. No. To avoid the tired loopiness that we get at the end of the day. Our loopy oh. selves are our best selves. What are you talking about? Oh, my about? God, no. No, 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 no. We're going to move on to where have you been doing? <laughs> I am going to go first. I, I'm really torn between two movies. And since we're talking about a movie that's been, you know, really widely covered. And uh, I think we have a little bit more time up front. I'm going to talk about both of them really fast. Unless you wanted to do more of the second one that I saw this week. Talking really cryptically. I saw two movies in theaters. The second one was with you. Yeah. Did you want to talk about that one? Not really. Great. Okay, so I'll talk about both the movies then. So I saw Child's Play and I saw Midsummer, which are two horror movies out right now. Midsummer's being touted as like the most violent, most scary, most crazy, most fucked up thing you'll ever possibly see. And I thought it was pretty good. Uh, I don't. I don't think it was any of those things. I don't think it's even really a horror movie. Uh, I, I think it's it's kind of a trippy, not who done it, but trippy like mystery thriller. With some horror elements and a lot of horror like callbacks and references, which are really cool. But all in all, it's it's not really about the horror and the gore and that sort of stuff. That's just stuff that kind of happens to be in this movie. And that's really all I'm going to say about it, because I honestly think you should go in as blind as possible. Because it is a very, very well-made movie. And, you know, you know, set your calendars for about six months from now, because we will absolutely cover it in this podcast at some point or another. Because there's a lot to dive into and a lot to talk about, uh, but not without spoiling. And they totally bought out of Michael's floral department. <laughs> yes, yes, they did. Um, it, sounded, it sounded like there was also um, some issues with the trailer spoiling everything. It's not that it spoils anything in the movie; it just really gives away. Uh, it, it gave away a lot of. Sorry. No, no, no. Go ahead. You're gonna say it better than I. Yeah, one. you didn't see the second trailer. I, it's the only one I saw. Oh, that's a, yeah. oh really? Yeah, that's too bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first trailer left a lot of questions, and then the second trailer had a lot of glimpses, and the combination of the questioning and then the glimpses just made it so that for at least people like me went, oh, 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 okay. Yeah, I mean, oh, that's, it's yeah. this kind of movie. Yeah, so like when I saw the second trailer, ironically before Child's Play, which I'll talk about in a second, I. Uh, I told Chewie, I'm like, yeah, I saw the trailer. And she's like, yeah, it doesn't really give too much away. I'm like, I feel like it gave everything away. Yeah, it gave, but... it gave away a little too much in the way that, at least for me, 
I was able to throw the pieces together fairly quickly, and yeah. then I wasn't really surprised by much. Yeah, and I was kind of the same way. It's still an incredibly well-made movie, and I definitely think people should watch it, especially if you liked Hereditary. It's kind of an odd companion piece to Hereditary in a way, but I'll talk about that more in six months when we talk about the movie itself. So I'll spend another just two minutes, if that, talking about Child's Play. Uh, if you want to see Child's Play, if you have any interest in Child's Play, smash that 30 seconds advance button uh, two times right now. Uh, ready? Go. Okay, so if you haven't seen the trailer, if you have seen the trailer for Child's Play, you do not know that the whole thing is actually about just a malfunctioning doll. It is not about a demonically possessed doll. It's actually just a doll where some guy went, fuck my boss, and he took all the safety regulations off of the doll, and he's just a complete blank slate that could be imprinted on. And that's why he goes insane is because of like all like the normal things in our society, and he gets too protective of Andy. And there's a lot of really kind of cool motivating things that got him to being the insane crazy murder doll the movie itself is okay it's not bad i as the farther i get away from it the more i like it um but i wish i had known that because i went in expecting the old child's play that was crazy and demonic and had all these wild nuts things in it and this one's more of just like a a machine gone wrong uh which is not a bad movie and i really liked it but now just like midsummer I want to see again, just to kind of, now that I know what I'm sitting down for a hundred percent, I want to see it with a clean slate. Would you want to see a ex machina and child's play, uh, crossover? I mean, I'll, I'll watch ex machina anything. So sure. It wouldn't work. <laughs> It'd be a terrible movie, what but I would they, definitely watch it. What if she bought a Chucky when she left the commune or whatever? I mean, it wouldn't surprise me. <laughs> she needs a friend. Yeah. I still don't know how she's going to charge herself. It's not like she has solar panels. Whatever. Uh, an interesting John, what thought you? that just crossed my mind. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Uh, before I jump to that, j- just an interesting thought that ca- came across my mind. With the original Child's Play, it was all about like voodoo and voodoo magic. And right. there was a lot of that kind of magic element to even stuff like um, Candyman and things like that. And it seems like we've replaced that now with all our uh, fear of technology, which is an interesting shift. We were very <laughs> scared of dark magics exotic magics and now it's like our computers are going to kill us yeah we were right about half of those arguments and it's the computers <laughs> killing us it's definitely <laughs> going to be the thing that happens if our president doesn't do it first yeah uh, no I'm, I'm i'm actually a lot more curious to see this new child's play because of what you told me about it than i was going into it being like oh it's just going to be a modern rehash of old yeah. voodoo magic does a body swap into a doll but we're past that one minute so don't spoil anything else in case those people actually did jump ahead i don't want to spoil it Turns out Chucky is going to play Ariel. He really, really wanted to show off his singing skills. He's got the hair. I mean, Mark Hamill can sing. What can I say? Yeah. Uh, John, what about you? Why don't you jump into where you've been doing? Uh, on a completely different note from the two movies you just mentioned, I was playing uh, Super Mario Maker 2, which uh, came out a little bit ago. And uh, yeah, I've been having a lot of fun with that. They did something different this time versus the previous version where they actually have a whole single player campaign to get you used to kind of the creative way that creative ways that levels can be made, but to also kind of give you fun and challenging Mario levels. And it's actually been really fun. The premise is really silly for story mode. You essentially finished, you know, renovating the princess's castle and you have this, this dog comes by and hits the reset button and destroys the entire castle. So you have to rebuild it. And so you go through Mario maker levels that are built by the Mario team and you, they're, they're making it using tools from this game. 
So you can turn around and take any of the levels you've done and apply those concepts to levels you make. It's really fun. And having it portable and on the go has been really cool. Huh. You're the first person I, I actually know who's played the game. I've just I've read a lot of like online people who are like, eh, kind of <laughs> expected something else from this. But uh, it doesn't sound too bad. I still yeah. don't own a Switch and don't know when I ever will. Um, yeah, no. And I mean, it's iterative from the first one. And obviously it's on the Switch, which is the, you know, the console that everyone likes more than the Wii U, but yeah. uh, it's it still does the Nintendo things that uh, you know it's it's bad at multiplayer. Uh, that's been kind of a difficult thing to figure out, and you, have, you need codes and level codes and shit like that. So the, you know it's not it's not perfect. We're never going to get to perfect, but as far as something that's funny, fun, and gives you just a, a look into game making in general and just puzzle making. I don't know. There's something fascinating about designing platforming levels and adding a puzzle element to them. Yeah, a lot of variety in Mario levels that I wasn't expecting. Cool. Uh, Chewie, what about you? Well, I finally finished watching all of Umbrella Academy. Whoa. But I won't go into that because spoilers, because I know you still have some interest in watching it. I've already spoiled the whole show for myself, but yes. And I spoiled it by watching the show. How they get to her thing because i can't just... you don't want to spoil more than that no because it, yeah it gets to her thing but yeah. it's how they get there that's fun it's the journey yeah. not the destination yeah once they stop focusing on her taking her pills it's great uh that's what was annoying when do they stop focusing on random choreographed dancing never never and it's only one other time they do a choreographed <laughs> dance and it ends up getting uh, erased from the timeline so not it's like from it, my it, memory yeah <laughs> we get it umbrella academy you're cool we got it yeah well <laughs> could you try a little fun. harder please <laughs> so i apologize we had a major technical difficulty there chewy was in the middle of talking about umbrella academy what were you saying i apologize all right. Well, I can't really talk too much about Umbrella Academy because you still have interest in seeing it. Right. Uh, all I can say is, even though you know that Vanya gets to her little moment, uh, the journey to her moment is pleasurable. Fair and enough. And I am sorry there is at least one choreographed dance sequence in there. Don't don't get me like wrong. It's not that I hate choreographed dance sequences. I love dancing in movies. It's great. <laughs> but sure you when do. you're trying to tell me constantly how cool you are, and that's all I get from that show, look at how cool we are. We're going to dance to Queen. Don't stop me now. Actually, they weren't dancing during that moment. He was getting shot at. I'm sorry. It's I just think an... it was Whitney Houston they were dancing to? At this point, if you put Don't Stop Me Now in your movie, I'm out. Oh. I'm out. If you've done it before now, we're okay. But it was right before Umbrella Academy that I'm like, I'm fucking done with this song and movies. Did you know that at some point I'm going to record you doing something now and I'm going to put that over what you're doing? As long as it's not something I... If you take something I make and you put it in it, then we have a problem. Mm. Over what I'm doing? Whatever. It's a great song. Well, today I decided while I was doing laundry, I needed a good easily enjoyed doesn't need to be paid attention to movie and i decided to go with national treasure with uh nicholas cage 
I was going to say Adrian Brody for some reason. That's wrong. Nope, he's not in that movie. <laughs> uh, See, now that would be and, an interesting uh, version of the movie. Right? Um, I forgot his first name, Bean. Sean Bean? Sean Bean. I was going to say Michael? <laughs> no. We um, call him Spoiler Man around these parts because he spoils every movie he's Harvey in by Keitel being in it. Harvey is in it, and he plays a good guy. He's played well, a good guy before. Not very often. They're usually leaning towards bad guy or just straight up bad guy. He was a good guy in Reservoir Dogs. He was the good guy of the bad guys. <laughs> yeah. He was um, a bad guy, but he wasn't that bad of a guy. Yeah. He's a, <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to get into that good guy defense. He's uh, a good guy. <laughs> you don't understand. You didn't mean it. Uh, fucking kill me. Uh, <laughs> um, and John Voight plays the dad. I'm sure John Voight just loved going through that period where he was the dad in all these action movies. Had to be better than when he was the guy eaten by a snake. Yeah, where he was also playing a bad guy. Yeah. Uh. Wait, so, the, so this connects John Voight to um, Tomb Raider. So he was like going around being dads to different families. Oh my god, what if... No, I'm not going to go down that train of thought about him having more than one family and just keeps training his kids to be oh my God. treasure if he gets, seekers. If he gets cast as the old guy in fucking Uncharted, it's like, dude! Dude, how many wives did you have? Why are you ruining all your kids' lives? Stop See, he would, take off his, uh, he would take off his glasses and go, uh, not enough. <laughs> uh, but even so, I really enjoyed that movie when I was younger. Like, really enjoyed it. I thought it was a lot of fun. Um... And then on this rewatch, it got killed for me when the female lead, I don't remember her name, you said you were really into her. Oh, yeah, Diane Kruger. Yeah. Um, gets in their van, and then Nicolas Cage pr- just starts gaslighting the shit out of her. And he's like, shut up, shut up. I'm not going to listen to you if you, step, if you keep yelling. See, you're yelling again. Shush. And then at one point, she gets out with the... Uh, declaration of independence and he goes oh yeah fine go take it shoo get out of here shoo and i'm like oh my god you are so condescending you are such a prick how are you the hero of this movie and that kind of just ruined the, like i didn't really pay that much attention after that i, was like, I think you ran into trouble when you tried to pay attention to national treasure yeah. i think yeah, you're you already issued <laughs> i just remembered it being a pleasurable experience and well, and, you know, nostalgia yeah. is truly a cruel mistress. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Speaking of which, <laughs> that brings us right into today's movie. Yeah. Halloween. 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 Hello. It's going to do this for the next half hour. Enjoy <laughs> your ride to work. Halloween. Halloween. Oh. <laughs> Hallowed wings. Hall- Hall- oh, this is done. This is done. Oh my god! <laughs> I was kidding. <laughs> so this is for the next half hour. <laughs> yeah, don't oh. do a bit and expect us not to commit. Dissect yeah. <laughs> the linguistics of this word. No, let's just keep doing it, just so those people are like, ah, it's a joke. Oh god, they actually did it. <laughs> like the two people who didn't turn off. No, we're not doing that. I promise. Halloween. Okay. Uh Directed by David Gordon Green, <laughs> written by him and uh, fucking Kenny Powers, of all people. Um, Danny McBride, for those who don't know. Uh, is that his real name? Or what? Kenny Powers is the character he plays on Eastbound and Down. Oh. Yeah. Um, 
which is also a show by Danny McBride and uh, David Gordon Green. Uh, so these two have worked together. They have a history, and they figured, why not do a sequel to fucking Halloween? You know, the horror movie that has no sequels. And what are we going to call nope. this sequel? No sequels at all. Halloween. <laughs> I love the. I love how they picture this. Yeah, let's call the sequel to Halloween. It's gotta be so Halloween. confusing, like the library. Oh my god! I mean, that's why we. That even on our episode title, it says Halloween in parentheses 2018, because yeah. that's exactly what everybody wants. These movies. You know, I'm not going to get hung up on the title for too long. I just think it's stupid, and I'm also well, not a big fan of the the sequel that just negates everything that came before it. I know it, it's a, I guess, clever way to make the sequel you always wanted to see when you didn't get to see it, but it also just kind of negates a lot of fandom and whatnot. I'm not a huge what fan. What do you of mean? It. We're going to negate all of Terminator? Or we're going to Don't. negate X-Men? Or are we going to negate um, well, the, Star Wars? The list goes on and on. So this movie takes place some 40 Close years after... Uh, <laughs> Some 40 years after the original Halloween, and it negates fucking everything that came after that one. So Halloween 2 on do not exist in this world. I'm just doing a little breakdown for us. Uh, And this one takes place as if he went to jail, uh, went to a mental institution, and spent the rest of his 40 years there until he gets broken out. Uh, We're not entirely sure how, but we're guessing somebody helped him break out. Um, He goes on a killing rampage. He goes back after Lori because for some reason he's really fixated on Lori. It's a question they don't ever feel the need to answer, which I'm kind of fine with. I'm kind of not. We'll get there. Um, And the long and the short of it is that the generational horror effects of Lori being uh, so traumatized, having her friends murdered, uh, attempted to be murdered herself, uh, has just rippled through her family, both her daughter and her granddaughter. And they're all dealing with it in their own ways. And nothing is worse than having a lifelong fear totally come true and have to deal with it, which is sort of validating and sort of like condemning to her daughter. And it's there's a lot of layers in this thing. And that's kind of why I was very excited to talk about it uh, back in the previous, I think, two episodes where I said this one's coming up and I love it. Um, but really quick around the table, what do you guys think? Are you guys fans of this one? Yes, no, yay, maybe? I was a bit surprised by this one, actually. I was kind of expecting it to be not nearly as um thought out or thoughtful or at least as um introspect or like uh i didn't think it would be as much of a study into just ptsd or like dealing with this like the ramifications of his attack from the previous movie i didn't really know what to expect honestly going into this because i didn't know that it was ditching the rest of the sequels or anything like that just like yeah i was really surprised and i actually kind of enjoyed that it went to a more deeper place. Yeah. True. what about you? I had ups and downs with it. Yeah. Um, I really did like the personification of the different characters, except for the Doctor. The Doctor yeah. is a character in, in horror films and just in people in life that irritates me. The whole, I need to find the reason. I need to know why. I need to know what they were thinking. What was their motivation? And then I need to understand it. I need to feel it. I'm like, okay, no. <laughs> the fact is, the matter is that some people are just born shitty. Yeah. And, <laughs> and I, you I, just, be, the, humanity needs to accept that and we'll be able to move on better. <laughs> but do you think that's a critique against, is that more of a critique against the movie for having that character or do you just not like those sorts of people? Both. Okay. 
because uh, yeah, is... those characters tend to really drag things down a bit because they overplay that. I need to understand him, and it just kind of keeps happening. Mm-hmm. It's like we get the idea behind that almost yep. immediately now. It's like you don't have to keep going back to him. <clears throat> I mean, even though it is a plot point here, but it just it ends up being kind of beating it, uh, beating it over our heads over and over again. Yeah, that's what I was getting to. It's just it's an old trope, uh, and since this movie was actually really fresh. I didn't need it. That makes sense. Yeah, I, I get what you're saying. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I actually, I like the guy, though. Like, I really like that character. I, I know you and I have the exact polar opposite reaction for when he kills the the guy from fucking Remember the Titans and Armageddon. Uh, when he kills oh, that cop yeah. and then he puts on Michael's mask. I was so into that. I was like, yes, this guy's so fucking crazy. He wants to be Michael. And I thought he was going to be Michael for a little while, and then that didn't happen. No, nope, it was just him trying to understand the feeling. Yeah, I was so well, into him going full-blown so crazy town and actually like, I'm going to go fucking kill people now. I was into it. I was ready for it. And then Yeah, and I think that's where it kind of kind of unhitched for me in terms of the momentum, where I got, I was really surprised. I was like, oh, oh shoot, are they going to go this way? Are they going to make the, the tall, ominous Michael character just be done in this movie and it's now the crazy like crazy doctor character are they going to really twist it on us and invert this but they didn't and i i get why they didn't i totally understand because people would have fucking walked out of the movie like that i'm like well this is dumb i'm done with this fucking thing and i can't say that they're wrong but there's something just in in me that just loves bold decisions so much that even if they're the worst decision the fact that you go for it i'm like Good for you, man. I'm on board. This is awful. Yeah, and I think this is not a good idea, kind of, but I'm into it. <laughs> yeah, and I think that's kind of what made it not work quite as much for me towards the end is that they started reverting back to the staples of it and kind of, I wouldn't say it became afraid of the bold choices, but they, they stepped, back to, stepped back on some of that bold choice. Like, See, I you know, wholeheartedly he's never, he's disagree never dead. with that. I, I think the, the parts that they rely on the like the the formula nature of it is just like during that one montage where he just starts killing people because he's michael and that's what he does he doesn't really go on that big of a killing spree he mostly just walks down the street and just wanders into whatever house is open and kills whoever happens yeah. to be there well but i think I'm, that's I mean, the only me, part towards that's the very end i mean for me towards the very end it's just like he's he survives like at the end it's always he's always surviving and it just kind of wraps it up in that the same way that these these films tend to while it was trying to go for something a little bit more like the, the scientist or the doctor taking on the mask, dealing with the, you know, time affecting uh, but that's, Laurie. And that's 20 minutes that. before then, the end. That's the end of the second act. Like there's a whole other act of them trying to trap her, trap him in Laurie's house and then figuring yeah. out that Laurie didn't create a panic room. She created a dungeon to burn him to death. Like, like none of that is normal trappings of a horror movie. Yeah. The, the constant survival is, but Laurie's doing the same thing, which is not at all the normal horror movie trappings. The final girl gets injured and injured and she's barely holding on. Lori never has that. She is always capable. She gets the shit kicked out of her and she's still fine. Yeah. She is hunting yeah. him just as much as he is hunting her. That is not. I did like that. They hinted movies. to that too. When she fell off the roof and disappeared. Yeah. Which I was like, that was, that was those things are what were keeping me hooked into it. So that's yeah. where I appreciated the whole, understanding a a killer aspect of this movie because she never wanted to understand it 
in the same way that like all these other people in the real world and like this Loomis doctor and the doctor that took over yeah, yeah. like they want to they want to understand it to like make it better she wanted to understand it because she wanted to know how to fight it yeah and that's where like they hint to her becoming him a little bit but the polar opposite with the like who's prey and who's um the predator and stuff and how they do their little switcheroos at the near the end of the movie that's what i really appreciated that oh yeah just the callback to the original of when she's standing out there and she thinks she's one and then his face just comes up the doorway and he stabs her it's the only time he really ever stabs laurie and that was such a great moment in the original movie and it's just fucking perfect Mm -hmm. and in this one i wish they didn't have the line I really wish they didn't have the line because I think the line just makes it that just one hair too cheesy. If he had, if she had done the exact same thing to him that he had done to her, where her face appears and then she attacks, I think it would have been great. But instead, her face appears and she has to say "Happy Halloween, Michael," and it's like, I get it. That's awesome. It's an audience cheer moment. I can see why it's there, yeah. but I think it was the wrong decision. Yeah, I have the same emotion towards. Uh, I can never remember her name. The actress. Jamie Lee Curtis. No, the the daughter. Uh, oh. Judy Greer. Judy Greer. Judy I was Greer. gonna say Leslie Mann. I'm like, no. Judy Greer, where she does her fake out. Uh, I like the fake out. Like, mom, I can't do it. All that, and then she says, "Gotcha." Yeah. I kind of just went like, "No, you shouldn't." She didn't need to do that. She just needed to shoot him. Like, I know again, it was for the audience. Yeah. Right. But... Well, and thankfully, it's not like something like anime where when someone says that, clearly, like 400 seconds passes during saying that, so then the enemy can formulate their new strategy and attack and win, or at least have like so... a. Whoa! thing above their heads yeah right right so <laughs> thankfully that was the case and so they didn't tell their next action too early for michael to escape well i mean he kind of does but still thankfully those gotcha moments with the gotcha dialogue didn't give him enough time to win yeah that's true and it's it is definitely just there for the audience to go yeah which i, I get that and that's definitely like i feel that's like that's where they leaned into the camp yeah, and I, I like that the movie was willing to do that. I like that more horror movies these days are willing to be campy. Sometimes I feel like they should be more campy, kind of like the new Child's Play was willing to be super campy. Um, but this one, I feel like it did a good line. Like it, it wanted to be a Halloween for Halloween fans and a horror movie for horror movie fans. Uh, and, and I think it, it did a very good job walking that line, where if you'd only seen the first one or only kind of knew the first one, that's all you really needed to know to yeah. watch this. If you had never even seen it, I don't think you'd have been that lost. Yeah, because in my relationship with Halloween, I think I've seen the first one. Right. I feel like I saw like the second one on television once. I, all I remember is a nurse being uh, impaled against a wall. Yeah, that'd be the second one. Um, oh, then yeah. Then I saw I the one with one Brandy. Uh, That's eight, I want to say. Yeah, I don't know. Seven or eight. And the one with, uh, what's his name from Minneapolis? He was in... From Minneapolis. Ricker Park. I don't remember. He that's, was... the, that's the same one as the one with Brandy, isn't it? Is it? H2O and then Halloween Resurrection are the two last. So those might have been the two different ones. Because he played Jamie Lee Curtis's son. Right. But Jamie Lee Curtis dies in Resurrection. All right. Either way. Um, but ooh, plot even hole. so, there's a, lot, uh. there's a lot of Michael films I haven't seen. And there's a lot that you don't need to see. Uh, but like the, the long and the short of it is, like this one, I think, did a really good job. And this is exactly the sort of reboot that the franchise deserved, I think. As opposed to, like say, Friday the 13th, which obviously is my favorite horror movie franchise. We've done an episode on it. Go back and listen. It's excellent. Um, but like that movie, when it finally got rebooted, 
the reboot was really just kind of like a, a fucking rinse and repeat of uh, let's just get Jason to kill some more teenagers, I guess. And this one felt like, well, what else can we say with this story? And it's so interesting that it came from somebody like fucking Danny McBride and David Gordon Green, you know, the guys who gave us Your Highness. It's so weird that these guys just got this movie as well as they did. Because I think that's really what it came down to is they just, they understood the source material. And obviously John Carpenter had a big hand in this one too. He's a producer on it. Uh, He rewrote a new score for it. Like he was very involved. So that obviously helps. But I I think it's credit where credit's due. The director and the writers, they, they just did a great job. Um, yeah, the no, whole... all the stuff that I cited as surprising me is the stuff that they added to it to give it that balance that just yeah. makes this this. I, it's hard to say like, oh, if you're a fan of the Halloween everything, check this one out because it, this is this is doing something different and it feels different even though it's got like connective tissue to the first movie. It's like this is an interesting one. I can't like say oh it's like all the other ones. It's this is kind of its own beast, which makes yeah. it too bad that it has the same exact you know name of the movie. <laughs> It yeah. does. It's one of the things I appreciate is it does the opposite of what people do so much in horror films these days, outside of like the Conjuring universe, because they deal with demons and stuff. Right. But in ones that are supposed to be actual people committing atrocities, like so many times, you try to make them relatable or give them an excuse and that or was like, some reason again to understand why they're doing what they're doing and that was like the rob and, zombie ones yeah like they're just so determined to explain michael and it's like, it's just the, let him be crazy they did it with the remake of nightmare on elm as yeah. well I and mean, it's just like no 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 it's kind of like getting back to the whole reason that darth vader was so scary in the first star wars film you don't need an explanation yeah. they're supposed to be this massive imposing thing that you can't fight you want to try to fight, but in the end, you're probably going to lose, most definitely. Yeah. And you are you need to have that feeling in these movies to, for them to work. Yeah. Unless yeah. Though, they turn into campy schluck, where they're just schluck, and there's no like actual horror camp to it. Right. And I think that's kind of like what, what the movie does so well, is kind of harken back to the, the original, where that's yeah. what Michael was. Yeah. Like, the best part is when he's killing the the podcasters well that's what i was going to get into because because like the <laughs> yeah. by hearkening back to what the original was it really it was able to tap into what's super popular in today's culture which is true crime podcasts yeah which uh i don't like personally i like serial and that was about it i've tried listening to the other ones I, I get what people like about them they're not for me um and i would say it's pretty clear that they're not for Danny mcbride and david gordon green either <laughs> you, right. I, I really got there's two instances when i got off the uh train of even thinking of listening to true crime podcasts and the second one i'll cite was when i heard about a girl who does a true crime podcast while putting on her makeup in the mornings so she's just getting pretty while talking about people being murdered yeah. and i'm like how more desensitized can we get yeah, and like that's kind of the the interesting thing about like them making the podcast about Michael Myers, and I think that's really probably my favorite thing in the movie is because we can talk in circles about the 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 why of it all, but that's not the point. The point was that Michael Myers did something so freaky to five people. Was that the count? Five? Something small like yeah, that. Yeah, so, like five, and like the even the one dude says it. He's like he killed five people. Who cares? Yeah, and like 30 years ago. Yeah, like 40 like years ago, he killed five people. Why are we still talking about this? And But that's the point, is that we are still talking about it. We're still making movies about it. Like, he did it 
in such a freaky and such a groundbreaking way that, of course, True Crime Podcast would be going nuts for this. They would be hunting down his mask. I bet there's people hunting down the original knife. Like, there's people just going crazy for this. And I think that's really cool that the movie tapped into both the the cultural aspect of us still talking about a movie made 40 years ago uh, as the best slasher film. Jason's better. Uh, (laughs) But we're talking about it like that just like they would be making a podcast about it because it was so shocking and so different. And I think there's this meta nature that uh, David Gordon Green and uh, Dana McBride really tapped into. And I think it was fantastic. Like that, I think that's why I love the movie as much as I do, because it, the meta sort of camp nature to it, while being a very serious, hard-hitting, violent, well-made slasher film, I, I think having all that together is just awesome. Yeah. Oh, and... Another thing that they tapped on, just casually, I think. I don't know how much I had to do with murders and whatnot, or how much I had to do with people wanting attention so much. I loved it every time someone screamed at Michael, say something, just say something. You know, because in our (laughs) culture today, we're not used to people just being stoic. It kind of drives a lot of people nuts when you don't say something back. And that's I, I love that one line from the doctor of the, he can talk, he chooses not to. It's like fuck. He's it's creepy. Really like, because <laughs> that is not something they brought up in the original movie. Like the whether or not he can talk. It's just like, oh no, he can't. He's just not going to. He doesn't want to. Good. He has nothing good to say. Good lord, that makes him more freaky. He speaks with his knives. <laughs> he has a lot to say. <laughs> Stick him with the pointy end. Uh, so let's uh, let's actually move a little bit into the characters because I want to spend some time talking about each one of the generations and then then we'll we'll move into quotes. Uh, but let, let's work our way up from the bottom. That kind of makes sense. So we'll start with the youngest and get to the oldest. Uh, so Lori's granddaughter. Uh, there's a theory rumbling around the internet, and that's kind of where I'm going to start with this thing that the next movie Michael will be dead because how the fuck did he get out of that? Um, he slithered out of it. Sure, maybe. I mean, we're watching Stranger Things. It could work. Yeah. Uh, that actually that actually makes me think of a really cool adventure game adventure puzzle game where you are like the michael myers and you have to get out of this trap that the heroine puts you in yeah and and then it just deconstructs all the poor ways that they didn't plan for him to escape yeah why not um but the the theory is that the granddaughter will be the murderer in the next one I don't really see it. I saw it more the first time I saw it, but on the rewatch, I was like really trying to like look for it. And beyond showing her holding the knife at the end and like the Texas Chainsaw Massacre esque like truck drive away victory, uh, I didn't see it. I, I don't see her making that snap. Like she definitely was traumatized. She saw her shitty ass fucking boyfriend's best friend get stabbed to death. Uh, she had friends that were murdered. She wasn't there for it. She has some. She's being brutalized by men the whole movie. Very true. She's uh, like, let's work our way back. Uh, uh, Lastly, with by Michael, she's being hunted a little bit, and then before (laughs) a little bit, yeah. Well, actually, he forgets about her. He does totally. Uh, He gets sidetracked. He gets sidetracked. Yeah, and then although I think at the same time, if we had her be the Michael Myers of the next one she'd have that backstory. She'd have that definition. Oh, that's why she became crazy, which is what we've been praising this movie for ignoring for Michael Myers. Like what makes him tick? We don't like, yeah, but to I what she saying is it's definitely she, there. Yeah. But she, cause she gets the motivation, like nothing. She doesn't have a good interaction with a single male character. I don't believe. 
uh, you true. have Michael, yeah, you're right. and then you have the doctor who she trusts. Well, she does have a good uh, interaction with the, the police officer who gets killed, but then he's murdered by the doctor. And before that, she's uh, hit on by her supposed friend. Uh, and he tries to apologize in the most douchey way, talking oh, yeah. about how he's drunk and has a heart on, and he blah blah blah. And I'm like, it means I have no God, blood in my brain. Just shut up, man. Dude, just dude, shut up. Stop. And digging. then after before that, she <laughs> is kind of about to be cheated on by her boyfriend. I mean, kissing is bad. I don't know if some people don't consider that full cheating, but it's definitely a lead up. Uh, and he. Okay, okay, then we have a pudding bowl. I'm not really going to go down that rant, but when he takes her <laughs> her uh, phone from her and throws it in the punch, it's like hard and sticky. I'm like, is that a bowl of pudding at a at a You just homecoming? can't let this thing go. It's weird. <laughs> <laughs> it, it is really weird. And, and Who brought the weird bowl pudding? <laughs> her dad is not a good example of a man really either. Also I mean, dies. He dies, but he's just kind of a doofus. Yeah. The only nice guy in the whole thing is... Uh, is the cop. Is the cop, and then the blonde girl's boyfriend isn't a terrible dude, but he also gets killed. Dave. Dave also dies. Oh, yeah. Dave also dies. Yeah. So all the good guys die, and the bad guys, well, mostly die. Yeah. Yeah, men are not not, no. not the great guys in this thing. No. But either way, no. I don't think, kind of like to what John was saying and to what you're saying, I, even if the story is there, I don't see her being... Well, that's the only motivation you could come up with, is that it's a reaction towards toxic masculinity. Yeah, I, I, I think the threat is there if they want to go that way. I don't think they will. And it's mostly because, of, like what John was saying, we've been praising this movie for not trying to do a backstory on why this guy's crazy. Yeah. And then we got a whole movie about why the next person's crazy. It just kind of feels counterintuitive. It does, but if she ends up being the killer, that's the only thing I could think of. Yeah, like I guess it works. I, I wouldn't have a problem with the movie making us think that's where they were going and then trick me. With that being like, oh, I got you, you know, assuming what this movie was going to be, and then like, you know, pull the rug out. I don't that mind. Feels a little scream too to me. Hmm. But granted, that's was supposed to happen, and, and then the fucking leak ruined that. Right? They still say in talks from the last I looked, but I haven't looked in like a month or so. So, um, let's move up a generation. What do we think of Lori's daughter? Not Leslie Mann. Judy Greer. There it is. <laughs> Judy if you want to say Leslie Mann? Different uh, blonde lady. Different blonde lady who's an excellent actor and doesn't get enough credit. Yes. I mean, I feel like to give more time to the granddaughter, they gave Judy Greer a bit of the short shrift. I don't feel like I got into her like into her backstory all that much. And they, they kind of lay it heavy on it at the end. Like, this is what I've been trained for by, by, by Ma. But, yeah, they kind of ignore her for a bit. They do. They yeah. don't really get any of like what her life is about. No, and, and it's, so it doesn't really pay off either, which it's like, oh, you've been training for this, but then why have we spent so much time with the grand, like with the daughter, the granddaughter, when your life was ruined, not the granddaughter's. She's up until up until the killing, she's been fine, sort of estranged, but yeah, that's yeah, true. It's like we missed that, we missed that relationship or that thing, and I don't know. I like seeing Judy Greer a lot, and we don't see a lot of her, unfortunately. No, but I, I don't think the. I think she did absolutely everything she possibly could with what she had. Like, cause I, I, I agree. They, the movie kind of ignores her and they kind of leave her behind at points. But to that point though, at the end of it, at the end of when everything's all said and done, we know her entire story. We know her motivation and 
and I give more credit to her than I do the filmmakers and the decisions, the editing, because although they might have ignored her, she still sold her entire plot. She did. Like she did a great job with what she had, which wasn't a lot, but like oh, yeah. just like even like the, where she says I mean, "gotcha," even though it was rare. kind of cheesy, yeah. I was like, "Yeah, hell yeah." Yeah, it's cheesy, and like it's not my favorite point in the movie, but like I think my favorite point with her character is when she's looking around the fucking armory that uh, Lori has made, and she sees her gun, and she's like, "Well, fuck." Well, it's my gun. I it's my gun. It. I got to do this, and it's just like it's such a cool no dialogue, no lead up. Like the only lead up is like one flashback shot where you see her firing a gun. Yeah. Um. The thing I like. Yeah. There's a lot of good choices in art department and the costumes mm-hmm. in this movie um one of my favorites was when she's wearing the uh christmas sweater when she goes up to the window and she gets the oh phone yeah call and stuff and i'm like yeah she's just she's, she's just skipping over halloween yeah, she fuck halloween yeah, fuck it. <laughs> it's, it's, it's got bad memories uh so what about Lori? jamie lee curtis is back screen queen herself uh, i mean she's a good it's one of the things that I love about just uh, Jamie Lee Curtis. She's willing to let herself age. Yeah. And since she's the type of woman to do that in her own life, her coming back to this character is, it's like perfect. Yeah. Because she looks exactly what you think Lori would end up looking after all this. If she was going to be a survivalist, if she was going to be her own version of Sarah Connor. Like, honestly, I would love to watch a movie between her and Sarah Connor hanging out together. God, who would win? They fought. I had to fight a stoic, angry, uh, silent man. <laughs> so did I. Uh, Mine was a robot. That you brought up the, the Ooh, Sarah Connor. Mine was possessed by the devil, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> We're not really sure. Depending on what movie you're watching. Depending on what movie you're watching, whether or not there's sequels, and whether or not there's a crazy doctor and attached. You know might what? might be my brother. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> we're a little fuzzy on that. <laughs> so but, we're going to say you win because you have T2. Sorry. But it's just her hair. I mean, the only thing that wasn't tactical about her was that she, her hair wasn't in a ponytail. Otherwise, all of the clothing she chose to wear, just her stance... And yeah. the choices in her decor and everything. It's just like she was a survivalist. And I love how much that came out of her. And yeah, it's... I didn't realize how much of this was like for uh, uh, her character. I didn't realize how much I wanted to see Lori kind of get that commando Sarah Connor thing until I saw this movie. And, and then once you mentioned that in here today, I just didn't realize that that's what I was hoping to see. Like, after all these years of these terrorizing forces, just to see the other person break and take on a little bit of the monster themselves and hunt them down. That's cool. That was cool to see. Yeah. And it's, it's such an interesting, like if you want to watch this and then H2O, like they're just such horrible companion pieces to each other, but it's very interesting. <laughs> well, yeah, I kind of want to watch. Like, because, I'll rewatch watch that. Well, I'll, I'll rewatch H2O any day of the week. Is that Movies the one where ridiculous. she lops his head off with an axe? Yes, it is. <laughs> uh, but like, that's the thing is like, you just go to like t- totally different takes on like what these, this trauma would do to somebody. H2O, it just, you know, whatever. It was a bad Tuesday and everything else is fine. Unless my brother comes back, I guess he's going to, I'll just lop his head off and then let's, Chalk it up to another bad All Tuesday. feeling bad about it at the same time. Well, yeah, because he's her brother, and you know, family. Fuck off. I'm he sorry. just killed like everybody. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I think the, the time helped with this, and yeah, that's kind of what what these other sequels tend to do. It's like they're so close to the first one, or in such a momentum that it's hard to believe that time enough time has passed. 
it don't, it's like um what was it the sequel to final destination where they find the uh oh, what's her name ali larder in the psych ward and she's like oh yeah it's just death he's he's evil you know he's coming for you and then like she wasn't cra- like she was acting like she wasn't crazy anymore after she got out or had that year those years of ptsd and just not being well from that horrible experience with the plane it's like here we kind of get that payoff and time is the factor like we actually get some honest to god time between the first movie and this one yeah and it just kind of makes more sense than everyone just being fine being fine after what she went through does not make sense with even with years of therapy like no and i love their depiction of it because she's not fine but she's fully cognizant the entire time she's not fine she's definitely not crazy yeah because like especially when the podcasters come to her place the moment they offer her $3,000, and I love the payoff at the end when she hands it to her granddaughter. She doesn't yeah. need that money. And when the, he goes, you are twice, uh, you had two failed marriages and your daughter was taken away. What yeah. was it? I forgot how he, and then she corrects him. Like, I had two divorces and custody issues. Or no, something it was like the, that. Uh, it was the line of like, the, so you lost your daughter. When did you get her back? I never got her back. And you knew that. Yeah, it's like just the like, entire time. Fuck you. <laughs> she, she's like one step ahead of them mentally, and or not quite one step ahead of them, but she knows how to combat their yeah. condescending nature. She knows exactly what their game is, yeah. and she calls them on it immediately. It's great. Ah, I love Laurie in this movie. Like this was exactly like it was the movie about Laurie that I didn't know I wanted. Yeah. And I think that's kind of like where I'll keep coming back and like why I love this movie as much as I do. Because there are problems with it. It is not a perfect slasher film. And it's definitely not the best, you know, these super late sequels. I still think that's uh, Trainspotting 2. And I know everyone disagrees with me on that one, but that movie's fucking great. Uh, well, and, we, and we brought it up at the very beginning of the episode that it does the sin of, so the quote unquote sin of just taking out the whole history of it minus the first one, which, yeah, I mean, it, wor- it worked here, but I also don't like, I too don't like that that trend it's just it all kind of adds up together we can't avoid the past ones at all even though the timeline's all weird we can't ignore it either like without her like we can't get that hell yeah moment at the end of this without all those movies i think you still can i think that works it's more so just the i'm thinking about this as a dad and i'm like all right son we're gonna watch the halloween movie so we got halloween halloween 2 Halloween 3 has nothing to do with the first two movies. It's just about a bunch of evil kids. Uh, and then we're going to move on to Halloween 4. Michael's back. We're going to have a great time. 5, he's still back. 6, 7, 8, you know, we're having a great time. All right, now we're moving into the Rob Zombie ones. Now, these are just remakes, uh, but now Michael is just kind of sad. And he, because he's sad, he murders people. He really likes masks and angel horses, I think. I've never seen the Rob Zombie one. Oh, boy. Uh and then after that, we're just going to do a sequel back to you. Remember that one we watched a few months ago? This is a sequel to that one. Forget everything you saw before. Like, this is where I'm going like, all right, fuck you filmmakers. I need to be able to show my son these movies and you're making it very difficult. Right. I just like to <laughs> Who think knew you needed a point. film history course just to actually catch up or like pay attention to the, the timeline of all these movies. Ugh. You know what? It's exhausting. I'm going to write a sequel to America. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm gonna give a third term to Obama when oh I write it. <laughs> that sounds very nice. <laughs> uh, with that, I think we've circled the drain, and it is time to talk quotes. Uh, mine is coming from uh, who's the best character of the whole movie that we didn't mention him at all. 
I never even wrote down the poor kid's name. We see one babysitter in the movie who's babysitting one kid, and that kid is fucking awesome. Uh, <laughs> yep. He's funny. His timing is great. He knows when to get the fuck out of Dodge. Uh, and he has the best line in the movie. Uh, and that's, oh, his name was Julian. I did write it down. Uh, Julian, here's, my, or here's Michael Myers upstairs, uh, is convinced he's in the room with them, runs downstairs to get the babysitter's help, and he's like, oh my god, there's somebody upstairs. He's gonna kill all of us. And she's like, alright, I'll go take a look. And the babysitter, of course, has been a fucking babysitter in a Halloween movie. So her boyfriend's over to bang her at some point. And he just looks right at the boyfriend and goes, <laughs> send Dave first. Oh, I like this kid. <laughs> he likes the babysitter, doesn't want the babysitter to die. And she seemed really cool. It's, I, she's the only one that was like, oh. They had a good rapport. They did. It was very... Yeah, it was... An- she was the only one that was kind of sad when she uh, my favorite yeah. quote, um, I didn't write it down. I know you hate that. I'm I sorry. do. I really do. Uh, but it's when the cop meets up with the doctor guy. Yep. And the doctor goes, oh, you're the one that stopped the previous doctor from killing Myers. Because I just like the regret on the cop's face of probably shouldn't have done that. Yeah, pro- probably should have killed him. Yeah, should have let him kill him. Uh, <laughs> that podcaster wouldn't have had his entire skull crushed into a fucking bathroom stall had yeah, I not he done had this. it coming yeah, the mechanics guy. didn't <laughs> yeah, the, the, poor poor, me- the mechanics the, just seemed like good dudes they were just doing their jobs that fucking true crime podcaster though get him Michael <laughs> <laughs> no one's gonna miss him trust me no one's gonna miss him there's plenty of him out there <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> it's kind of a dig at ourselves there <laughs> We're not going to go to any serial killers with our movie podcast and go, talk to me! Say something! (laughs) Although, actually, I think that's a really great idea. We should do that. Oh, absolutely. Go just to the psych ward and go like, talk to me about movies! Or just do it to like any filmmaker. It's like up to Quentin Tarantino. Say something! I've been talking the whole time. Please go away from me. Interrupt his like three hour podcast that he just no, did recently. We're doing Talk to something. Me. He's like, I yeah. am. <laughs> oh boy. Uh, John, favorite quote? Uh, yeah, so it's from our the good doctor here, Dr. What? Sartain, I think. I'm trying to look at that. That sounds right. Um, yeah, Sartain. He, yeah, yeah, he kind of sums up the relationship between uh, Lori and. Um, Michael Myers, I would suspect the notion of being a predator or the fear of becoming prey keeps them, uh, keeps the both of them alive. And I thought that was a good line. Yeah. And kind of a neat little indicator, now that I've seen it, going back and kind of thinking through it, just a, a little bit of a heads up that we're going to get some you know, power dynamics shifting later on in the movie. I thought it was a nice touch. It's kind of a, it's a, kind of like a Batman and Joker call out. Uh, sort of like, they need each other. Oh, yin to my yang. Yeah. Uh, review system for Halloween is going to be stab wounds. How many times would you stab this movie? Wait, are the stabs good or are the stabs bad? That is open to the reviewer. I would All say right. this is a good stab to an inner thigh. Oh, you're going for location. Mm-hmm. Are you going for the artery or not the artery? You're going to nick it. You're going to nick the artery. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it's definitely fatal. Like... If you don't get that bandaged up, it's going to be fatal. And that is a good way to kill somebody. And they're not really looking at it. They're like, they're thinking you're going to go for their chest or their face or something. But a good little whack to the inner thigh is just as murdery. 
that's a okay that's a very solid review i think uh, <laughs> mine's gonna be a little bit different i'm gonna kind of bounce off of yours a little bit mine's gonna be three stabs three stabs but right to the face three face stabs oh and i'm going with three that face stabs um the three is to be reminiscent of the three generations uh of Lori, her daughter and her granddaughter <laughs> Uh, and I do face stabs because the movie was kind of shocking and refreshing, like a splash of water to the face, Ooh. but these are stabs, so they're stabs <laughs> to the face. It's a refreshing stab to the face three times. Wonderful review system. <laughs> perfect. Perfect. John, good luck. All right. Um, I'm going to take a different tack, and it's uh, four stabs off screen with sploshy sounds. Sploosh. Sploosh. For Judy Greer, I hope. Yeah. Sploosh. (laughs) 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 Does he have anything else to add for that? Is that just good enough? Oh, no, that was good enough. Perfect. Okay. Uh, (laughs) So we're going to move into plugs. First plug we have coming up. uh, Be sure to listen to our other shows, which include, but are not limited to, except that they are, Venture Brothers, Samwise, Demon Days, and Damage Boost. Uh, all of them available at the ATH Network, ATH Network or ATHpod.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chewy, anything to plug? You got a show coming out soon-ish. Do you know when your show starts? I know when you start going back to work. Uh, usually starts airing in like September. So be sure to check out Superstore in September. Fifth season <laughs> of Superstore coming at you soon. Woo! Uh, and then I nice, plug nice. all the stuff for the company that I work for that I've been told I'm not allowed to say. So be sure to check that out. John, anything to plug? <laughs> no, not uh, you've mentioned pretty much everything. I will say uh, you were on the Damage Boost podcast recently, so that was interesting. I was. Uh, yeah. That was a really fun conversation. I'm glad that I did that. He he has two more episodes he wants to have me on for. Uh, I think two. It might have been one. But either way, I, I really look forward to doing that. If you've not listened to Damage Boots yet, Brock is, does a great job. Uh, he's a really good host. He's got a lot, lot of fun things to say and really good guests. Uh, sooner or later, let's convince Brock to fly out here, just like Matt, and be on the show live. But you know, and you know, if it works out, we're not going to let him leave. Well, he's got kids. I'd feel really bad doing that. Oh shoot, kids. yeah, that's John, a big you're deal. the one with well, a spare room. That's true. You do have the spare room, so you're going to be putting up both Brock and Matt and all yeah. of Brock's family. So yeah, yeah, they'll all they'll all share the room. Yeah, it'll be a like a, a saw situation where you have to solve the puzzle. Oh God, live, why are you, you know? killing them? <laughs> Is Karina going to be the jigsaw master guy? Yeah, she is. Of it was course her idea. she would be. She'd look good in that mask. <laughs> she would. And her laugh would be horrifying <laughs> behind that be. mask. Oh, my God. <laughs> that gives me an idea. I need to I need to get her to record something like that. Yeah. Oh, we also need a new uh, Later Losers from her. Uh, yeah. Because I, I stopped using it. Because... That's what she's going to say oh. when, when someone loses <laughs> at one of her mazes. Later Loser. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> I'm into this. Uh, that's really everything we have, though. So I think we should say goodbye because it's late and we're old and we want to go to bed. Oh, God, yes. Yeah, <laughs> we have so much laundry on our bed right now. Oh, God. Why do you have to depress me at the end of the episode? That's just not fair. <laughs> Thank you very much for listening. I'm going to stop recording now. Bye. Bye.